We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is a Christmas edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. I'm John Fanta, and we're joined tonight by two Atlantic Coast Conference experts, but national experts now, too. Randolph Childress, who I officially saved in my phone context just moments before the show, and <laughs> Coach T.O. Terrence Oglesby is with us tonight as Jeff Goodman is hammered somewhere on an island <laughs> unknown to man. Good evening, gentlemen. T.O., I'll start with you. Uh, happy holidays, my friend. Merry Christmas, my friend. It's the last show for three or four days. I'm happy that you made it home safely. And... Uh, I might have a little eggnog after this show's over with, but a good day of games as far as ACC is concerned. That fired me up, and we had one heck of a, an out-of-conference battle with Arizona-Tennessee. That's going to be fun to talk about as well. Randolph, what's going on? Uh, tell us what's happening at the Childress household here with about 72 hours, not even, until Santa comes down the chimney. Listen, my wife is spending all my money, so I'm going to try to work as much as I can to, to, to recover from that. Other than that, all is great in the children's family. Uh, big night. Uh, let's start with this. First off, we've got a loaded show for you. Uh, coming up, we've got a great interview with John Fulkerson, who was fantastic, Tennessee's own. And uh, tonight was Tennessee's night, 77 to 73 the Volunteers get a big win. They're 9-2 and two on the season. And I think that it revealed tonight that Tennessee, game to game, you could change the way you think about Rick Barnes' group. But here's one thing. When they get enough scoring, everything else falls into place. And they win this game tonight after a hot start. They beat a, a really, really good Arizona team, 77-73. to 73. Randolph. Who'd you learn more about in this game, Tennessee for the good or maybe revealing something about Arizona that, that you didn't realize before tonight? I was impressed with Arizona going on the road. We know, we know Tennessee's a tough team. We knew that was going to be tough to go in there in Knoxville and get a win tonight, but they responded. They got down early on the road and they responded, you know, Coloco didn't play well, uh, but I thought they battled tonight, you know, to come back and make that a game and go all the way down to the end. I mean, I know they got a late technical foul that hurt them. Curry. But listen, I, I I was really impressed with Arizona. I, I went the cover wasn't bare, but I was impressed with their their 11 and 0 start, and then coming out tonight, you know, taking their first loss on the road in a tough environment. I know, but we we've taken quite a few L's there. Hey, Thompson Bowling stuff to play at, man. Yeah, like that place is packed. There's a lot of energy, and Tennessee fans 
they really care. One, because the Vols are the only show in town. Two, because football, <laughs> they're trying to get back on track, but they haven't yet. So they people really look forward to Rick Barnes and his crew coming in. Uh, I will say this. Tennessee, they probably played the ugliest game of the year earlier this season whenever they were up at Madison Square Garden. Fant, I actually think you were there at that game. That was in, Yeah, it was incredible. But as bad as that was, it was a lot of fun to watch tonight because they just kind of made plays happen. And, boy, they started out on fire. But one thing I did learn about Arizona was Jeff Goodman says it all the time. I feel like we bring the guy up a lot. But point guard play matters. And what makes Kirk Kreese so good is also what can make you scratch your head a little bit and kind of have the game flip the wrong way. He's an emotional guy. Like, that ter- that that technical wasn't deserved. I think we can all agree on that. It wasn't deserved, but I think that was a culmination of a lot of things, a lot of energy, a lot of talking, both teams going back and forth, and Green felt like, hey, I better slow all this stuff down. Shouldn't have done it, neither here nor there. But shots early in the offense, quick shots whenever the other guys are feeling it, Mathurin was terrific. I mean, he ended up with 28 and eight and five. And I felt like sometimes Kerr felt like I can, I can break this game open when maybe the best option at some of those points were to get the ball to Benedict Mathura. I thought he took a lot of bad shots. Yep. You know, he took a lot of bad shots tonight. I thought, you know, they had a chance. They were, they were, had the momentum going and he just went for the hero shot. And, and, and I thought he heard him tonight. And we don't know what he said, to be honest. I just, if you notice his teammate went to say something, so no matter what he said, his teammate went to say something to the ref, kind of like, you know, like, I got him, I got him. But like you said, he let his emotions get the best of him. And in an environment like that, a chippy environment, two tough physical teams, you got to be, you got to have your emotions in check. And, and a lot of people are saying like, hey, that game was well officiated, especially Tennessee fans are saying that. <laughs> Arizona had three dudes foul out and two guys with four. That can't happen. That means it's not. That, that's that just, means something's wrong, and that was an awfully physical game. And Tennessee is not a team that doesn't that that's that's soft. That is a tough, at all. rugged bunch. They play hard. There's a lot of bump in the cutters. There's a lot of stuff on the ball. I'm not necessarily sure that's fair, but Vescovi was the only guy on Tennessee with four. Yeah. Not taking away from the effort from Tennessee though, because you still got to win it. But it, it was tough. Hey, to your point, I don't know if you guys watched them play or not. So we're playing Tennessee in the past and I'm watching them. So every jump ball, whoever you're standing near, you just will go and just hit them. And that's what they did. So I'm watching the scouts. So I go over to Danny and I say, Hey, Danny, <laughs> at that time they had Grant, you know, he was an all American. I said, listen, mm-hmm. call a foul on Grant. So I go to the ref and be like, watch this guy on initial tip off. They jump it. Grant hits him. It's like foul two, first one. And it's like, <laughs> One second into the game, he gets his first foul off the jump ball. So to say Tennessee's a physical team is an understatement. They would hit you on the jump ball. Hey, you know what I would say a tip-off, though, if, if T.O. were on the other team? I'd say, ref, you're not going to have to worry about him tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't even want to get – make sure he's on the offensive side of the court. Like, like <laughs> R.C., he's playing both ends. I wasn't. So there you go. Did you ever, did you ever commit four fouls in a game, T.O.? Yeah, probably just for reaching and being stupid. I probably got two technicals too because I was mouthing off. Yeah, you guys we know, know that. me well enough. You guys know know me well enough by now to know I at least got a technical. Hey, hey I got kicked out. I got kicked out of the St. Christopher Christmas tournament in CYO Cleveland in fifth grade for kicking a kid. Guess you what? You kicked we a kid. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, I went to reconciliation <laughs> that Saturday. 
All right, I was in the confessional. Father, hey, that's the second thing you said you're not going to talk about tonight. First is that room you're in. We need to hear the story on that one. Now we got yeah, Fanta's back home. Fanta is <laughs> he is back home. He's yeah. made it back. What is it, the Cleveland? And he said that this is a room that the stories are better left untold. So let's conclude. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about this for a second. You talked about Santiago Vescovi. He goes for 15 points in this game. If I had told you going into this game that Kennedy Chandler would go two for 14 from the field and Tennessee would win the game, what would you have told me? Go ahead, RC. I would have said someone else had to step up and play out of their mind. And then tonight, I mean, Fulkerson was 24 and 10. I mean, that's not, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a heck of a player, but he's not 24 and 10 every game. And, and, and so you just said, you know, Vesco will be hit 15. So as long as and that's going to be the way Tennessee has to win, they're going to struggle to score. You know, Kennedy has a Chandler has a ton of responsibility on that team. He's a heck of a player. They do need his scoring, but if that, that's the way they're going to win, a different guy is going to step up for them all year long, but we know defensively they're going to get themselves a chance. Yeah. And, and off, offensive rebounding obviously had to be good for that to be the case. Now, Santiago Vescovi, all of a sudden, over the summer, he got himself in great shape. He's kind of become the offensive go-to player every time down the floor. Like, he has been extra aggressive. I can't remember how many times last season ends up with 16 shots. I mean, he's always been kind of in the mix kind of deal, but he's he came back this year with a certain amount of explosiveness that he didn't have last year. But uh, the Finnish kid they had come back, Kamawa? Kamawa? Do my pronunciations. Kamawa. Sure. Like, moving Victor Bailey – who, who didn't play tonight, but switching up and putting him in the starting lineup added some more physicality to that roster. And that moved and Josiah James. Yeah, yeah. And moved Josiah James to the three. So they go from outside oriented to now they're big and physical. And that's a that's a Rick Barnes type of team. The Rick Barnes team. It's a Rick Barnes team. RC, who's the best team in the Southeastern Conference? Oh, that's a coin flip. Man, it is a coin flip. It's a coin flip. That's a tough one. Uh, we talked about this the other night. I, I, I'm gonna. I mean, it's it, it's. I I can't say I, Kentucky one night. You know, I, I I consistently said I think Tennessee is gonna be right there in the end. You know, but when you got a talent like Jabari Smith down in Auburn, you can never That's count those guys out. If they get if they get solid point guard play. I think they'll be the team to beat in the SEC. So if I had to put my money on someone, I'd say Auburn. But my my concern is their point guard play. I, I think uh, Alabama's guards are so good that uh, it depends on what we're talking about, guys. It right, depends on right. what we're talking about. Like, are we talking about who's going to win the SEC tournament? Or are we talking about who's going to be the most consistent throughout the season? Okay, all right. When I ask best team, that to me says the team out of this league that can be one of the last four standing in New Orleans. That's what I think of when I say best team, because best team in four days is not the same as best team overall at the end. And my vote is Auburn for your exact reason of Jabari Smith. And I love their physicality. I love the way they defend. I trust Bruce Pearl's coaching prowess that, that time of year. Uh, and I think that they have enough offensively. But where I fall on the SEC stuff, like, to me, Alabama's defense concerns me right now. Kentucky offensively, too helter-skelter at times. Um, LSU, I, I still need to see some more. And Tennessee, it's hard because their offense comes and goes too. 
I like the makeup of Auburn. And when you have an elite player that typically wins and, and they build around him. Tio, where do you fall on this? It's a four horse race, man. Like, right. it, uh, you know what, Fanta, you called it. I'm not sure there's a national championship level team out coming ah. out of that conference, but at the same time, like it's, it's also a conference that has three or four teams that could potentially win four games. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I, I think Auburn, they can get hot. With yeah. match- you know, hey, look, look, look too. Like let's not discount Kentucky with matchups. Like Kentucky draws a bunch of teams like Carolina and they beat the brakes off of Carolina. Right. They draw, they, they could get a team that really can't guard the ball. Severe Wheeler's going to have a field day. They have the biggest beast in the country and Oscar Tashiboy. So you got to throw Kentucky in that mix. And then Tennessee probably has one of the best point guards in the country and Kennedy Chandler. And even in an off night, still it finds ways to impact the game. I think he's that good because he puts pressure on the rim with his speed. And that's something that Tennessee didn't have last year. I don't think Alabama could do that. That it's, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, we've seen so much top end talent from other conferences. I think Arizona, I'm not going to say they got screwed, but I think it would have been very difficult to win no matter how well they played. And if they don't give up that early, they don't give up that early lead. It's not a ball game, quite frankly. But I think Arizona is fully capable of a Final Four. Tennessee showed tonight that they can beat a team like that on a given night. And that's that's part of it, right? So it's tough. I mean, I like Auburn because uh, Katie Johnson, like, never quits. Like, he is, he is like, it's so much fun to watch. He's even more fun to watch in person up close because he plays one. so hard. Let me ask you this. How much does Shaden Sharp change Kentucky? He changes everything because he gives somebody that can get downhill and finish. Like, Severe Wheeler had a great game the other day because Carolina doesn't know how to rotate. Like, he's just getting layups. Like, Shaden Sharp, somebody rotates, he's still going to dunk over top of him. Like, that guy, his athleticism and his ability to get somebody on his hip, I think, is significant, but – I mean, have you heard anything, Fanta? You're the breaking news guy out of this group because it's not me. It's not me. It's never going to be me. It's not going to be me. But, but I will say this, like, if he end up does end up playing, he, he provides them a piece that right now I'm not sure that they have. And that's that elite athlete off the dribble that can get to spots on the floor that nobody else right there can right now. And to free up Kellen Grady's, I think he's been playing well lately. I mean, he's been a guy that started out, he was struggling to – to kind of get involved. If he wasn't making shots, he wasn't doing much else. Now he's shooting the ball now at a high clip. Yeah. Look, the SEC, to your point about maybe there's not a national champion, but this is the league that throughout its regular season conference play, you could argue will be the most entertaining to watch because night to night, anybody could beat anybody in this league. And tonight, Tennessee flexed. In a lot of ways, this was, this was the volunteers' night at home to show that they can be a team that's the last one standing in the SEC too. And the biggest reason why they won this game is our first guest tonight, because he ate. He ate Christmas, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. John Fulkerson was fantastic. 24 points, 10 rebounds, couple of assists, and the Kingsport, Tennessee native, who was a treat for these guys to talk to, joins <laughs> us on After Dark right now. We are here with the king of Knoxville, the man of the hour, the big man on campus there in Knoxville. His name is John Fulkerson. Fulky, that's what everybody calls you there. 
How you feeling, man? You got to feel pretty good after tonight's performance. Man, I, I'm I'm feeling great after tonight. Uh, just because of what a great team win that was. My teammates played great. Uh, we knew what a great opponent we were facing. We knew they were undefeated. They they got some really great players. They're, they're very well coached. They're a great program, and we knew it was going to be a big test coming in. And we started off really well. Uh, our big thing was coming out and, and punching them, and and we knew they were going to fight back. And so. Just being able to take their punches and, uh, and and do the most we can with them and just trying to fight and fight and fight uh, and get the win. John, Randolph Childers here. You've uh, you've had quite a few good games against me, against the Deeks, you know, home and away. So I'm, it's funny to hear you see you still playing, man. You're still out there balling. Listen, how does this team rank against, you know, you played with some really good Tennessee team. How does this team rank against those other teams you've had in the past? Um, I mean, people ask me that question a lot, and uh, you know, they they ask me, you know, who's who's your favorite player, the best player you play against, and and it's really hard to to compare these teams because um, I I think both teams are very very uh, talented, they're very skilled, um, and I, I think you know, whenever we were on those back to back teams th those years, uh, going thirty and four, a, a really good record, and then winning the SEC championship. Um, being number one ranked in the country, that team was was very good. Um, but but this team, uh, this team's very good as well. We we have a lot of great players and a lot of different players. And I'm probably the only guy. I say I know I'm the only guy that that was on both teams. And so, uh, uh, you know, I, I I can't really say which one is better, which one I like more, um, because this team would get me for saying the other team and and, and vice versa. And so, uh, both teams are are very good. Um, and hopefully. Hopefully we can uh, be better than the other team, better record, accomplish more accomplishments and, and things like that. But, you know, I've been very blessed to be here at Tennessee to be a part of some great teams. Well, you, it's not just a few great teams. It's been like eight or nine great teams because I feel like you've been there forever. Right. Right. Like I've, know, I've known who you were. Felt's been talking. My Uncle Felt, we'll get to that in a minute, has uh -huh. talked, to, talked about you for about 10 years running now. Uh -huh. uh, obviously Thompson Bowling Arena is one of the best atmospheres in college basketball. I think it's one of the most underrated atmospheres in college basketball. Is that one of the reasons you came back? And if so, what are some of the other reasons as well why you came back and played one more season for Coach Barnes? Um, there is a bunch of reasons why I came back. And really, just to say it in short, I, I think that this, me coming back another year would just or, or me having the option to come back another year was just too great of an opportunity to pass up that the kind of support that you get here, the support staff you have, the kind of coaches that we're with every single day, Coach Barnes and his staff, I would say are the greatest in the country. I'm putting up, putting them up against, you know, any staff in the country. Um, the facilities we have, the fans we have, the, the campus life, the city life, everything, you know, you know, there's there's not really one thing I would change about, you know, the University of Tennessee and, and how much I actually do love this university love the fans, love my teammates, love my coaches. And so th there was a lot of thought and consideration of me coming back or I guess exploring other options. But once I really thought about it, it was, it was really a no brainer on, you know, to come back and just try to accomplish more than what's been done at Tennessee. Gee, John, I got to ask you this. You got to tell me about Powell's. Now I've been hearing all this, this is great, how great this place is. You got to tell me how good is Powell's. Hey man, it's good. And and Terrence knows a little bit about it too. Um, 
But Pals, I, the reason I love Pals so much is because it was started in my hometown, a small hometown in East Tennessee called Kingsport. And Kingsport really means a lot to me. Um, it, it's my hometown where I was born and raised. And uh, I'm very grateful to be from, from there. Um, I, I try to represent Kingsport as well as I can. And that's where Pals started, where it originated. They have like I always tell people from my house, I can get to, to like five different pals in like five minutes. And so like I, I got one like 30 seconds from my house. And so um, it, it's, it's really just a, a hometown feeling. And I, I'm, trust me, I'm trying my best to get to Knoxville, to, to Tennessee. Um, but it's just basically like a fast food place. They have, you know, burgers, hot dogs, different sandwiches, fries. I'm, I'm a really big sweet tea guy, um, milkshakes, uh, just things like that and so it's something that I grew up my whole life eating liking loving and so uh you know I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to partner with them and, and do a few things so See, when I come in town tell me what I gotta order what's, what's what's on the menu what do I have to get what do you recommend man, so it, it depends on on if you're a hot dog or hamburger guy you you can't go wrong with with either one um if you get the hot dog make sure you maybe get two or three they're they're not that big and so <laughs> if you get the hamburger uh it's called a towel uh and whatever toppings you you like on it I will, I will get a, a large fry and then you got to tell them light extra salt because um, it just adds a little, they put just a little bit more uh, of their little seasoned salt on there, which makes it good. And then they also have uh, peachy tea, which is beach tea and then raspberry tea, they call it razzy tea. And so uh, you definitely got to get, got to get one of those. All right. So I got one more question for you. And for those who don't know, my uncle, Kevin Feltner, you played for uncle Kev with the Tennessee Bobcats, your AAU team. And he told me to ask you this question. Who was it that hit him in the back of the head in Memphis with a piece of chicken? <laughs> and he said, nobody's ever taken, nobody's ever taken credit for it. Who's not my man felt in the back of the head with a chicken thigh? <laughs> oh my goodness, man. I say, this is probably the funniest story I've ever been a part of. So long story. <laughs> I think we're in, Memphis, we're in Memphis out of Popeye's after our AAU tournament. And, you know, our whole team's there. We're sitting across the whole restaurant. And, and me and Phil, just to, in short again, felt Kevin Phil was like my second father. I talked to him every single day. Uh, we're always talking. We, we've been through a lot together. And so he, he's like my second father. So I'm sitting next to Phil. And my teammates get the bright idea of, of they want to throw a chicken tender, like a whole chicken tender at Coach <laughs> Phil. And so they, they kind of had me lean back a little bit. And, and the guy who threw it, he went on to play football played quarterback at Army, and then he transferred to play quarterback at ETSU. So he was the one that threw it. So I leaned back, and he threw it, and it went right behind his head. And so they, they found another one. I leaned back again. And I'm telling you, man, when I tell you, I'm sitting right here, and Phil is sitting right next to me, and, and somebody threw a chicken dinner from across the restaurant and hit him in the head. Oh, my goodness, it was so funny. But it was, <laughs> it was our uh, – he, he called him Cap, uh, as in captain. But, yeah, he, he went on to play quarterback. Uh, I guess he had a pretty good arm. He said he said he pull, he had to pull over to he had to pull over the cat wagon. Apparently, <laughs> that was your mode of transportation was the cat wagon, and yeah. then he had to let everybody hear it. But hey, John, man, this was great. Congratulations on a monster win, man! Awesome job. Keep those volunteers rolling, baby. They, it was a lot of fun to watch. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Hope you guys have a merry Christmas. All right, you merry too, Christmas.
through that chicken tender. It was my, it was my man that went to army. It was the army <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that is one of the all-time stories I've ever heard in my life. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that- and he gave a heck of a Merry Christmas at the end. What a great, what a great young man. He's going to yeah. be able to own like uh, fifteen to twenty pals franchise restaurants <laughs> by the time all said and done, because he basically mentioned the whole menu. All the sides you could get, the extra yeah. salt. Like he is, he is on top of it, and it's as it's, good as advertised. It's as good he, as advertised. He's gonna have one in Knoxville, like he said, by the end of the year. Yeah, him by and Ron Slay are gonna, him and Ron Slay are gonna be just yeah. sitting beside each other, arm in arm, eating Powell's chili burgers. Powell's, if you weren't doing name, image, and likeness deals before tonight, you've sure as hell better right now. They already have. <laughs> yeah, they, have. they better yeah. keep it coming. Keep it coming. All right, uh, John Fulkerson and Tennessee get a big win tonight over an Arizona team that we all think could be an Elite Eight Final Four type of squad. They've performed so excellently thus far this season. We found some things out about both teams. Great win for Tennessee. Let's turn to the second-ranked team in the country. The Duke Blue Devils taking on Virginia Tech tonight. The Blue Devils trailing by four at the half. They win this game 76 to 65. T.O., I start with you. What changed? I don't think we're hearing Terrence. Randolph, are you hearing Terrence? I'm all, here. I'm all, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. Uh, in the second half, the uh, they in, they finally started to get some production off their in their inside with their post play. Paolo Bancaro, I was starting to wonder, he's had a rough couple of games. I was starting to wonder if that sophomore slump. Was or like a freshman slump where he's getting close to Christmas, he wants to be home, yada yada yada. Like some of these freshmen, they have a hard time right around this time because all the students are home. It's a different vibe on campus. The whole nine comes back out, ends up with twenty three and eight, and he's just such a special talent and special athlete that you can't hold him down for long. And I applaud his ability to stay aggressive the whole time. Ended up with twenty shots. How many freshmen you know are just going to keep chucking? That's my kind of freshman. Me and Randolph are those kind yeah. of guys. Like yeah. we're going to keep chucking. So he's he. That made me even more of a fan. But no, I thought he was. Uh, they started to get production out of him. Wendell Moore Jr. Uh, I sent a tweet out earlier. Most improved player in the conference might end up being player of the year in the conference. He has been a special player there in Durham. Uh, to go along with P.J. Hall, who's very good, and Darian Sebron. I will never forget that name again every time I mention it. I feel like I got corrected about 20 times on Twitter. Thanks, Twitter world. I'm good with it, though. Thank you. But, uh, now he is absolutely terrific. They didn't need Trevor Keels to be spectacular tonight. I mean, this talent level at Duke, especially when the interior scoring in the manner that it is, uh, they're really tough to stop. Randolph, your thoughts? I, I was surprised. I, I, I mean – you were surprised. I, you- I was surprised. I, I, I honestly, if I had to pick it, I, I, I was picking Virginia Tech to come in tonight. I just thought that they, I, listen, could we've been killing the league, and I just thought, you know, just to, you know, further give clout to the ACC. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to as much, much as I can to build this up. But I was actually cheering for Virginia Tech just to go in and get a win tonight. I thought it would have meant, meant the world to those guys. They got, they lost, you know, to wait by 20 at home. And then going on the road to Duke, I thought they could have got him early, but they didn't. I mean, they came out early ready to play. Alibe was dominant. He was 25 and 10. I think he had something to do with, with Paulo struggling at the beginning. I mean, he came out really strong going at him. You know, Justin Mutes, Mutes was – he was great. He was 20 and, and, and 9 himself. So, 
they got a lot of their front court, but the concern that I had going into the game was going to be Duke backcourt. You know, I'm just not a big fan of what Virginia Tech is getting out of their guard play right now, and that's going to be the Achilles heels for them going forward all year. I think they got to get more consistency and better guard play if they're going to if they're going to be the team that we all thought they could be, top three team in this league. Well, 17 out of his 25 came in the first half. I mean, he single-handedly carried them, and, and Bancaro only had six and then absolutely just turned it on. So, I mean, front court play. Front court play is what ended up turning it around. And Wendell Moore, a guy who was a picture of inconsistency last year, has turned into Mr. Consistent this year. And it just comes along with being extremely confident and knowing I'm going to fit into this role to where I'm not going to take the most shots. I'm only going to take them when I'm open. I'm going to facilitate first. And then after that, I'm going to find ways to get my own. And it's fit him so well. And we talked about maybe a little bit of an Andre Iguodala role that, I mean, he's shooting it better. But that third or fourth option, Whenever he was able to do that, and when I say that, I mean a third or fourth shot attempt option. Not necessarily like we're not going to run things through him, but his mentality towards playing this season has changed, and he's benefited from it. He's playing what he's comfortable doing. He's like a point forward. I mean, he's much more comfortable with the ball in his hand, making decisions. They're better and more comfortable with the ball in his hands, making decisions. Even in the earlier games we watched him play this year, he's the guy they want getting the ball, closing the game at the free throw line, he, he knows his value in his team, and I think he's invaluable to them. Uh, I, I think he's – and don't, don't underestimate him defensively. I think that's where he's he's just been as, – as good as he's been off, offensively, he's been better defensively. I think he's right now probably player of the year. If this team continues on the way we think, I think he'll win player of the year for this team. I think Paul Bencaro will get all the accolades. He'll get all the scoring. But everyone is watching Duke play. They'll go as far as, as Wendell Moore leads him. I agree with that, and and I think that when Duke has that perimeter score of some sort, with a player as good as Ben Carroll on the floor, it makes the world of a difference. And you don't have to – when we say perimeter score, we are not sitting here and saying the ability of a team to hit 10 three-pointers. Duke doesn't need to hit 10 threes to win. They actually need about five to seven. If this team's getting 21 points off threes – the game is over. It's over as far as I'm concerned. Tonight they got 15, but they defend the other side so well. And and when you look at Moore, again, a guy that is understanding timeliness of his shots, he doesn't force the issue anymore. He's embracing who he is on this team. Six and nine from the field tonight, 18 points, four assists. And we've said this before, but I will say it again. This is a throwback Duke team, and in other respects, a throwback college basketball team with a transcendent player, but they defend you off the bus. They rebound the basketball. They don't always play pretty. They don't always play pretty. They don't need to play pretty. And with how hard they play, in an era of recruiting, and recruiting and layup lines and transfers and chaos and you name it in the offseason where you're working just as hard, if not three times harder in the offseason to figure yourself out, Mike Krzyzewski stayed on campus. Mike Krzyzewski was able to go to his roots with this group. You can feel the roots of Coach K in his last team at Duke. And one more thing. Uh, last year they had Matthew Hurt playing the four. And this year they have Paolo Bancaro playing the four. Yeah, and I know that Matthew Hurt was a big stat stuff and dude, but he wasn't a grab a rebound off the top of the backboard and hit an outlet 
kind of guy either. And Wendell Moore, I, you know, it's almost like I didn't give him enough credit. Paulo Bancaro, when he hits him on an outlet and Wendell Merrick Moore gets going, he's one of these like two dribbles from half court and finish guys. Like they, they say in football, you guys know this, they say in football, two strides, 10 yards. If you're that kind of athlete, you're, we know you're a big time athlete. Like it's almost like get to the rim all the way and two dribbles from half court in traffic. And you know, you're that type of athlete and he's so rangy with the basketball and he's such a creative finisher. It's something that I think to your point, Fanta, having Bancaro there to be able to get the ball, snatch it, having Mark Williams playing in the manner in which he's playing it, get the ball, snatch it, hit an outlet, let him attack right away. I mean, it's, it's opened up the best parts of his games. I'm happy for the kid because he took a lot of flack last year and, and he has been tremendous. Hmm. So Duke wins this game and they win it by 11. Um, Terrence, any big picture thought or Randolph, Randolph, you brought it up the backcourt. They're, they're starting backcourt tonight. Virginia Tech starting backcourt was seven for 22 from the field combined in this game. I mean, any big picture thought on the Hokies? Because I know, T.O., you thought that this could be a, a basketball team that makes some noise. And you know what? It's still a team that can still play well in the ACC. It's just a matter of Storm Murphy has to be a little bit better than what he's been. And I, I actually thought they had a better chance tonight than what ended up happening. They end up losing by about 10 points-ish uh, because I knew that team wouldn't get rattled. In the first 15 minutes of tonight's game, they only had one turnover. And whenever you do that at Cameron Indoor, you're going to give yourself a chance because you at least got to get a shot up. And that's where a lot of teams struggle because they're dribbling it off their foot. They're getting pushed out of bounds and there's no calls. I thought that was true. I don't know about you, Randolph. It might be true as a player or a coach. There might be a little no-call action going on there at Cameron Indoor. But who am I to judge? In Cameron, really no. Good. Never. Never. <laughs> it was almost like some of those calls at Thompson Bowling. But I digress. <laughs> I digress, it, it, but that's it's an older team that takes care of the ball, and they're going to give themselves a shot on every possession, and that's going to help later on down the season because they don't turn the ball over so much. They're going to be secure. They're going to be able to get things. Mike Young's terrific in finding offense. Uh, they don't really have a downhill driving guard like they did last year. I think that's going to hurt them a lot. They miss BD and those guys from that. They miss their toughness. I mean, I think Stormy gives Storm Murphy gives them a, the ability to make shots. So if you're forced to double a Levy, you know, a Luma or Mutz inside, he's able to go outside and knock down some shots. But the athleticism of these guards in this league, he's going to need some help. And, and, and I think that's the issue that I have. I, I, I don't think he's played very well. Uh, I, I have some defensive concerns about him. I think he'll figure it out. You know, Mike and that staff is great. They'll figure it out. But the athleticism of some of these guards, like tonight, you know, they're gonna, he's going to have to play and stay in front of a – a Wendell Moore or even a, a Jeremy Roach. I mean, he has, he's has a set of wheels on him. So I, that's the concern that I have. And it breaks their defense down, I, you know, and, and the pressure just getting this shot off. If it's not schemed and you just roll the ball out and got to play, how is he going to get his offense? And I think we forget to mention too, like there's a big difference between playing three high majors a year and playing three a week. And that's going to take a toll. And Virginia Tech's had a heck of a non-conference schedule. But I've, I've heard there's a Christmas carol going to happen here shortly. And I'm so <laughs> fired up about it that I don't want like I don't want to wait any longer because right. Fanta has teased this. And I'm ready for it. <laughs> I have. There it is. Hey. He's got his mini tree. He's got a I, mini tree. I do have my mini tree. <laughs> I am so excited for the official. 
Field of 68 2021 College Hoops Christmas Carol. I've warmed up the pipes. I'm ready to go. Are you guys ready? I, I couldn't be any more ready. Let's do it. I, I'm mad I don't have my glasses on like you, so I can slam my glasses down. I get my, yeah. my John Fanta, you know, I, I got. <laughs> Next year, you're going to sing this, RC. We're going to get All right. you. To... Let's do it. I know. Yeah, I know you got a singing voice. Some, I know. All right, here you're we go. sing? Of course we're going to sing. We? All right, go ahead. You might start singing it after we're all done. Okay, here we go. In three, two, one. It's the most wonderful time of the year where Paolo and Chet are whamming and Baylor is jamming. Huggy Bear needs a beer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Where Iowa State is surprising and Arizona is rising with USC and UCLA not far behind. While Sparty is reappearing and the room is clearing for the Big 12 and Big East to shine. It's the most wonderful time of the year. As Purdue delivers, Cronin causes the shivers and Kansas has no fear. It's the most wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time. Tio and Randolph, it's the most, the most wonderful, wonderful time, time of, the of the year. There you go. Of Coach K's final year. <laughs> Fanta, you've got some pipes, man. Oh, man. That you want to talk about coming out of left field. He said Huggy with a beer. <laughs> Huggy needs a beer. Cronin gives you the chills. That's funny because he's got COVID, but it's not funny. <laughs> but it's not funny. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, man. That should be at the top of the charts by tomorrow morning, I would assume. Oh, man. Mariah, Mariah Carey has nothing on that. No, no nothing. Got nothing on you. See, you went back, you went back home to your childhood room and got, got, all, got all your flashbacks in. I got you. I got you. That's right. That's that was right. fantastic. No, I, I, I didn't expect anything less. Well done. Yeah, yeah. None but the best from you, John. Thank you. I've done a lot of songwriting in this room. Never brought a girl back here, though. <laughs> you never know after that single comes out. There you, you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Check your DMs no, after that. After yeah, that, after no that yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, let's move on. If you guys can, okay, let's move on. I think a little bit uh, choppy here, but I've got you now. You guys hear me okay? Uh, yeah. All right. Let's move on into the ACC here before we get to some stocking stuffers. Clemson, a winner over Virginia by 17 tonight. Wow. I mean, this juts out. What, what did the Tigers do? That's the first win that Clemson's had since my freshman year, and I played in that game. I played in that game. It was February of 2008. I had 14 points, one assist. I think I dribbled it off my leg and it fell into KC Rivers' hands and he made a shot. So there you go. There was my assist. But uh, no, I, Hunter Tyson's come alive, man. Like Alondis Williams won player of the week last week. I thought Hunter could have been second. I don't even think it was, I don't even think it was close. I thought it was him and him. Uh, 17 points, three boards. 
a couple of assists, and he just made plays happen. Between him and Jaden Gardner, I thought he completely overmatched him. It was yeah. fantastic. And then one thing that Clemson did tonight, and, and you guys might have noticed this, uh, they did such a nice job of entering the ball into the post. And P.J. Hall is such a good player. I think he's one of the more underrated players uh, out there right now. Uh, they're entering the ball from the top, from the top of the key, and that's limiting Virginia's ability to trap because they trap every time that ball goes to a block. Brownell and his staff did a great job of figuring that out, entering the ball from the top of the post or from the top of the key. And PJ, as big as he is, and he's an athletic kid too, he was able just to finish over top really, really good. And the kid from uh, South Florida, David Collins, was a really good addition. He really was. I was really impressed with him. I mean, he's strong bodyguard. You know, for a six-year guy, I mean, he he his experience, he scored inside. I mean, he, he rebounded the ball. He, hell, he had 11 rebounds tonight. Mm -hmm. He was the leading rebounder. P.J. Hall, you called it a while ago. I was really impressed with him. I, I thought it was almost a mistake. But I knew they had to double him. He just turned face. He dribbled out of it, found guys, found shooters. They drove it. He was he was really tough. Now, his, he didn't have dominant numbers, but his performance was way better than his numbers show. And he, and he does such a good job of getting to the free throw line. And, hey, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be a Homer right now. I'm really you happy about it. I, I, I'm really happy about those guys putting it together and playing well. They've struggled with some bench production, but they're starting to figure out that, Hey, one night it's going to be see tonight, Ian Shifflin, a freshman from Grayson high school in Atlanta, Georgia, who's an undersized fine man comes in and goes three for four from the field and gives them good minutes. He's got five fouls. He used four of them and he only played seven or eight minutes. Like, <laughs> And that's part of it. Like he's playing his role. He's coming in there. He's playing physical. He he's a skilled five man. Came in there, gave him six points. Nas Bohannon, who has kind of found out ways to be effective. He's a guy that gets rebounds and takes off and goes with and, and take, will take off and initiate the break. He's a good player. He's just and he's such a team first kid that he's kind of had to find his way how to be effective in a new system because when he came from Youngstown State his last game there he had a triple double then he comes down to Clemson he's playing behind Hunter Tyson who's been there for four years and Hunter's kind of got his footing and he's playing really well and Bo Hannon's found a way to be effective and if they're going to get bench production uh, they're going to be able to compete now are they tournament good I don't know but in an ACC where there's a lot of teams struggling a lot of up and down stuff they should be in the mix uh, top six top seven and we weren't thinking that. And I didn't know that PJ Hall would be this good either. I thought he would be, uh, yeah. I thought he would be 10 to 12, five rebounds. Man, they're running offense through him. And they have to protect him. If they protect him and he doesn't get into foul trouble, if he can play 30 plus minutes for them, that guard play is strong enough. They can be in any game. I, I think they're going to have enough guard play. And they hit, they hit it on their two transfers. You know, mm -hmm. Collins and Bohannon just fit Clemson. Right now, I mean, they just fit them, and they're solid. They're contributing in different ways. They're scoring baskets when they need. They're showing their level of experience in, in, in moments when tonight, when Virginia was trying to make a run, I thought Bohannon was huge for them. You know, in a couple of baskets he scored for them. You know, to to break the run. So, I, first time watching them this year for forty minutes, and I was really impressed with them. I think they'll be from all the teams we've seen because we know they're going to defend. Mm -hmm. We know they're going to defend. I mean, I know Virginia tonight was so bad on offense, but Clemson had a lot to do with that. I mean, Virginia tonight offensively, I mean, I, they went eight minutes in the first half without scoring and over 11 in the second half. Yeah, they are what they are. Yeah. That I is, mean, 11 you're lucky you're not beat by 30 doing that. 
Yeah, 11 consecutive minutes in the second half, Virginia didn't score. And I realize they've had their problems, but it's still 11 minutes. And it's still ACC basketball. Like, they're not as good as they have been, but they still played really tough. And they finished possessions, which I thought I was a little worried about. But, man, with the addition of Collins, he rebounds the ball so well. And they're two small guards, like Alamir Dawes and Nick Honor. Man, they play with – the, the fortitude of those two young men, like when that Clemson team needs a basket, those two find ways. Like in Alamir Dawes, like he was three of 13 tonight, but he's their guy to where he just has this innate sense of, man, we haven't scored in a while. I'm going to figure out a way to make it he's happen for our team. He's a shot maker and he's, he's a shot tough maker. shot maker. And, and, but it comes back to what you said, RC, like PJ Hall has to stay on the floor. He stays yeah. on the floor. He, I think Clemson has a weapon that any team in the conference is going to have a hard time dealing with because he, I, I, I feel like I'm jumping on the bandwagon that I was already on, but like <laughs> PJ is that good, man. Like he is, he is put on 15, 20 pounds in the off season. He's in great shape. If he stays out of foul trouble, I mean, he's a tough matchup for anybody because he plays so big and wide and he's just a, he's a good player. Good, good player. He really is. Yeah. In the ACC, you know, look, we're looking at, at a league right now that, that could be in a three- or a four-bid situation in the tournament, uh, but there's a lot of basketball to be played, and they have to find 68 teams somewhere. I feel good at saying that Duke and that North Carolina, and then after them, I would sit here and, and position Wake Forest. Um, right. wh- what are your thoughts on three in this league, Randolph? Three or four. Uh, it, it's still too early to tell. I mean, we can't count Virginia Tech out. I mean, I know they laid an egg and, and wake. I, you know, I, again, I, I, we always talk about it. I don't want to sound like a homer, but I, I have to see how we respond. Wake responds in ACC play. Um, you know, I, I want to see they got a big game coming up after the New Year's at Florida against Florida State. I want to see how that game goes. I think they'll be right there in the end. I think they're score enough. I think, you know, Alondis Williams has been a, the best transfer guard in the country. Yes. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, as we get in the conference play, I, I, I can't count out Florida State. I, I just refuse to believe that they're going to fall off that far. They're, they don't have the elite pro that they usually have, you know, mm-hmm. first round, you know, player they've had in the last couple of years. But collectively in that style of, you know, too many teams in this league want to run their sets. And we know Florida State's not going to let you to do that. So if you turn it over, I just believe eventually they'll figure it out and, and come in that third or fourth team. So I, I would say those two. I'm still a little leery about UNC. I, I question them having an identity, so I don't know if I – they may fall down and someone else may replace them as a second-place team, even though I thought early on talent-wise they should be. But I would say Virginia Tech, and, and when it's on all dust settles, Virginia Tech and Florida State will be that the top four. Uh, Wake Forest has been so impressive to me because I, I think when you have a player like Alondis Williams who can score 35 and not force the issue – like, and, and he wasn't a great shooter at Oklahoma. And all of a sudden he's come to Wake Forest and he shot the cover off the ball. And, right. and this is a small detail. And we talked about it this morning, Fanta, but Wake Forest might be the best skip passing team in the conference, not only in the conference in the country, they throw those things on a dime. And it's such a small detail, but the fact that they make some of these skip passes into the shooter's pocket, right in the numbers. I mean, that game winning play against Charlotte, and I realize it was Charlotte. They struggled a little bit with it. But that game-winning play where he drives down the left lane line, gets off two feet, skips it to Musius on the other side, 
Right. UCS doesn't even have to move. And there's such a difference. And you know this just as well as I do. You remember, you, I mean, you'd shoot it any, any way you got it. But I mean, <laughs> I, I preferred it like here. But like, there, I think there's a five or six percentage point difference between catching it right in the chest or catching it here, catching it down by your knees. It's a significant difference. And it's not just Alondis. It's down. It's drilled. Team. Everyone's doing it. It's part Everybody of their practice. They're going to well. clip three. They're going to do it. My only concern with them is going to be when you get in the conference against those teams, Alondis is bigger and more athletic than those guards in a non-conference schedule. When you get in the conference, you're going to have some of those sides. You're going to have better defensive teams. And I just believe if I'm going into a game against Wake Forest, he's not beating me. And then I need to know the other guy. So their secondary and third score has got to show up. But let's give them credit. I mean, they, they, they've been exciting to watch. They've responded every, you know, every game. And he has been as good, like I said, he's been the best transfer guard in the country. Muses has stepped up with his senior leadership. They've done a lot. And you, to be expected, I mean, they had so many transfers and with those guys coming mm -hmm. in. But when you get in the conference play, you just don't know. Because we know Virginia, as bad as they are scoring, they're not going to let you play at that pace. They're still going to defend. Clemson is not going to let you play at that pace. So there's still going to be a contradiction of styles that we're going to have to see. Now, I think that's the biggest question about the league is just the styles. Like we know, like Notre Dame and Syracuse are two teams that don't defend, but if they're making shots, they can beat anybody. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and another thing too is with Jake LaRavia had what he didn't play against Charlotte. I don't think like, he didn't. He's, he's, their, he's their second leading scorer. Davion Williamson's been really good. I mean, I, I, I was a little skeptical whenever he moved over because I saw him play. I saw him play whenever they were in the championship game against Wofford. I yeah. went and watched that game on the way up because I was heading up to the ACC tournament. The year it got canceled. That was a real – you don't talk about a story. But I stopped up on, on my way there and watched him, and he was really frail. And I was a little curious. I was like, man, how is that going to translate? And it didn't really last year, but he's put on good weight and he's figured out how to like really be slithery with the ball. He's toughest got good kid out there. He is. And he's shifting. He's the toughest kid out there. Like you, he's a small kid. He's a frail kid, but I can assure you, he is as tough a kid as there is in the country. I yep. love him. He's a great kid. He's a local kid. He has a lot of pride, a lot of support about him. You know, he may wear down physically, but he's going to give it all he has. And it's a great compliment. Having Williams Alandis with him, you know, he gets to kind of, you know, get off the ball a little bit and not have to absorb as much physicality. And I think it'll help him long, play in longer stretches than last year. Last year, I thought he wore down a little bit toward the end of the season. Well, another thing about Alondis is like... And we're moving on. <laughs> his pass. His passing is amazing. Sorry, go ahead. All right. We got a, we got about 10 minutes to go here. We could talk... This You two should have an all-ACC pod because I've been educated tonight in yeah. a lot of ways. A lot of ways. We have stocking stuffers to give out. Who's uh -oh. who's getting gifts and who could be getting coal underneath their tree? No hard feelings, but it's stocking stuffers here. Who was good? Who was nice? Who was naughty? Here we go. First stocking stuffer, John Calipari. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I like what they're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm not as it's a, you know what I, I'm, 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 I'm thumbs up with Kentucky. I, I don't have a problem with Kyle with that. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not as hard on them as you guys have been. On. I, I think that you know bringing in those guys and bringing in all those transfers and and trying to make that work. I'm, I'm, you know, let's see what happens when Sharp comes in. But I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm go, go Wildcats. Okay. <laughs> I think it's been hard. I, I'm giving him a gift too. 
but he's got a little little pebble of coal down at the bottom of the stocking just to let him know like <laughs> hey we're watching you but he gets a gift but i think it's been hard it's been an adjustment for him to kind of get to the new like hey pace and space like make sure you try to get kellen grady out in space get severe wheeler to the band get some rotation guys they've done a lot of dribble drive for the past 20 years and it's been a different thing for him to have a different kind of player come in with all those transfers well you have to when you used to rolling out all those pros and you just used to roll the ball out there now you got some four-year good college players and there's a difference yes yes yeah you know one thing i would say about kentucky is that when you do bring in a bunch of different guys there's that grass is always greener type of mentality and we've talked about it a little bit on this show, but I, I do think that there is an adapting process that also ha- happens not only for the players, but because Cal has done things so differently this time, also him. And I think a lot of Saturday's win over North Carolina, the instant feedback was North Carolina shouldn't lose by 31 to anyone. And that's embarrassing. And man, they don't defend a lick. But we did see what happens when Severe Wheeler gets downhill Severe Wheeler needs to be a tone setter for Kentucky. He can't just curl up. He's got to be a guy that makes things happen uh, because it's clear that, that Ty Ty Washington, it, it just hasn't worked out maybe to the degree that we, we thought it would work out. So they need Severe Wheeler to be the guy that they're asking him to be in that backcourt. And if he's not scoring the ball, it's making things happen because Kellen Grady's going to hit shots. He's going to hit shots, and he'll continue to hit shots. And Tashib weighs a beast. But if you don't have consistency at your number one position, you're not going to win. Kentucky didn't win last year. with They had no rhythm at the one. They had no rhythm. I thought Saturday, yeah, you blew out North Carolina. And, yeah, North Carolina's not very good defensively. But you also had aggression. You went to the basket. You made things happen. You were a step ahead. And so for that, Kentucky ends up, on the bubble under the Christmas tree, but they end up on the right side of it for, for today. Santa's going to give Coach Cal some red sauce this Christmas. Okay. Uh, stocking stuffers. Game forfeitures. Mm. Oh. They get all the coal. What are we talking oh, about? Yeah, they get it all. They get the entire bag they get of charcoal. All King, we can give Kingsford. How are people how, – how are leagues you, – you, you both are former players – so, like, why are some leagues visiting this again today and some leagues have said they're going to keep the rule? Which leagues have said they're going to keep the rule? Like, Well, the, the, it's been reported that the American Athletic Conference is going to keep it, so the AAC is going to keep it. Um, the Missouri Valley Conference, who I think that's – I mean, I, I'm always intrigued by that league. There's some quality teams in that league. The WAC is going to keep it. Um, the Big Ten put out a statement that they're just reviewing it. I would I would guess that they will review it and confirm that they're going to change it. But the fact that any league, to I, any league is is going to is going to keep this rule is mind boggling, right? As former players, can, can we, even can, the rules of saying from seven scholarship? Some some was saying it, seven you can play with seven scholarship players, and then some was saying just seven players, including walk-ons. Okay. So can you imagine if we were playing and you had three walk-ons and four scholarship players? Like, 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 there's no way, there's no way you can play that. I just wish the NCAA would come in and just say, hey, this is the uniform where we're going to do it. There's no conference. You do your own thing. This is what we're doing. If it's seven players, seven scholarship players, that's it. If not, we'll, we'll, we'll postpone it. If we can make it up, we'll make it up and go on. Because you have to do something. Because at the end of the year, 
with the way this was set up before, how in the world are you going to sit there and go on Selection Sunday and select teams? You're going to get credited for a win that was a forfeit? Even when you're vaccinated? Like, it just, none of it makes sense. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, I, my question is, is like most of these cancellations are coming from power conferences. Uh I think that's a significant piece too. A lot of these leagues that you just mentioned don't have the funds to test as much as what the power conferences yep. are. So I, I don't think they're going to be as jumpy to take the test unless there's a serious reason to do that. I think the fact that there's unlimited spending at some of these power conferences, they're much quicker to test, therefore much quicker to find positive cases. So Take that for what you will, but it gets all the cold. And I agree with Rand I agree with Randolph. I think like if there's a uniform approach, we'd be okay. Okay, stocking stuffers, uh, a gift or coal. The Hurley brothers. So I'm, I'm picturing them running down the stairs on Christmas morning. <laughs> what, are, what are they finding here? Dude, they're getting they're both getting gifts. And I'll tell you why. One, because Bobby has to deal with no lights. And if somebody over there at that uh, at that booster club at Arizona State doesn't pay the light bill in the next 24 hours, we've got issues. Free Bobby <laughs> Hurley. I'm starting a new hashtag, free Bobby Hurley. That's ridiculous. Uh, I think Danny's doing a terrific job up at UConn too. I think it's been a fun. He's got them playing hard. I love the way he encourages his guys. I love watching him manically go up and down the sideline whenever he's coaching. I think it's awesome to watch. It's highly entertaining, and they've got some dudes. I think UConn's a lot of fun to watch. So give them both gifts. One's more of a, hey, man, great job gift. The other one's like, hey, man, I'm sorry you're dealing with what you're dealing with right now. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, like they ought to get a man a pay raise and extension to deal with that because it, it, it's, it's to have to deal with something like that is, is – it's a, it's a, it's ridiculous to be honest at the level of basketball and the Pac-10, you know, Pac-12. Like, come on, like, like. Hey man, how are they going to give him a raise if they can't even pay the light bill? Or see, like, they, it, they can't, they that's can't the only thing. I'm bill. just speaking. I'm just speaking purely from Bobby's standpoint. If you're not going to turn the damn lights on, at least pay the guy for even having to come in there. Like, like, like to deal with that because <laughs> that that just sounds like a dump. Like, I, I can't even. That's ridiculous. Like, to that's even have bad. to put up with that. That's that's just bad. That's just yeah. bad. And you expect him to win, right? And you expect him to win. Ridiculous. Give them gifts. Uh, let's give out some more gifts here. I'm going to have you pick a team and a player. Maybe it's a coach, too, if you want to pick three different guys. You know, if if I were to pick a team um, thus far, it would be hard not to to leave the, the bag of toys out in Ames because Iowa State has been one of the standout teams in college basketball. They're certainly the biggest surprise in the sport. They defend – Brockington is a fantastic player, Isaiah Brockington, who makes things happen. They have found ways to win. So Iowa State would be a team um, that, that I would say gets, gets a bunch of, of toys underneath the tree. The coach that I'm going to sit here and say deserves some toys underneath his tree for the job that he's done thus far this season with his particular team. I'm actually going to – Santa's going to take a short trip. Okay. He's going to go from Ames. We're going from chimney to chimney. He's going to go over to Nebraska. I'm going to give Greg McDermott a tip oh. of the cap. Um, I think he's done a real good job with a Creighton team that I wasn't going to the Huskers. I'm going you know, kind of lost in the shuffle because Friday night, it's a Friday night. And so the sports all focused on Saturday, like Creighton beat Villanova by 20 on Friday night. 
And I know Villanova's been up and down. The Blue Jays have a couple of nice wins. They have a neutral floor win over BYU. Um, they have a couple other results sprinkled in as well. Like that, that's a good start to the season for the Creighton Blue Jays, a team that we kind of thought would be an afterthought heading into this year. So that would be my, my coach. I'm going to go with McDermott. Then my player guys, like there, there's a lot of different guys that, that are deserving of this honor. Um, but man, I got to give my, all my toys to Paolo. Like I, I haven't had as much fun watching a player. Like I've had fun watching Paolo Bancaro. So Paolo, you deserve a full batch of toys underneath your tree, baby. Randolph, go ahead. I'm going to go, my coach, I'm going to go with Ed Cooley up in Providence. Okay. I, I, I just, you know, I, he's a heck of a coach. They've, they've done, done, you know, he's done a heck of a job there. I know his staff with JB, you know, was here at Wake with me for some time. I mean, the staff is great. They're just off to a good start. I think they, you know, going into UConn and getting a win last week was, was big for those guys. You know, I know they were supposed to play Georgetown. That game just got postponed. They'll play that. I just like the toughness of the team. I think having Al Durham in there now, you know, we, Nate, you know, Nate Watson, A.J. Reeves, we know what they bring. I, I just like what Coach Cooley's doing. I, I'm just a big fan, and I think they'll continue. I think they're a team no one predicted to win the Big East, but I think they'll be right there in the end to win it. Wow. Wow. Big statement. Hey, Jeff Battles, as good as they come. He's, he's great as well. He, he's helped me so much in this business. It's just, I can't thank him enough. I talk to him often. I, I'm going to go with a fellow Dookie, but I'm going with Wendell Moore. Okay. I, I'm just proud of him. I see his growth. He's everything you want in a kid from a resolve standpoint in college athletic. He comes in with his big rep. Everyone's thinking he's just one and done. It doesn't turn out that way. His sophomore year doesn't turn out that way. And everyone's just down on him. Everyone's saying this kid should transfer. He should leave. And then he comes back, and, and in my opinion, he's he should be everyone's player of the year. Paulo's the best player of the team, put up the best numbers, but that team does not go without all the things that Wendell Moore does to make him great. All right. Uh, so for, for Coach, I'm going to go to Minnesota. I think uh, he's done a terrific job up there. Ben, uh, gosh, Ben Johnson. Gosh, are you kidding me? Did that just happen? Yeah, Ben Johnson has done a terrific <laughs> job up there. Massive roster turnover. He's got yeah. those guys playing so hard, and he's got two scorers that can really go. Jamie, uh, uh, battle up there is a terrific one-on-one -on -one score. He's done a he's done a nice job transferring in and still finding ways to play, and he's excellent in isolation situations. Uh, team, I'm a huge Big East guy. You guys both know this by now. I love Seton Hall. I can't get enough of Seton Hall. That's a big, rangy team with change of pace and Bryce Aiken. I feel like I've talked about him a million times. But Bryce Aiken, uh, Roden, and uh, if Obiagu comes back and he's healthy after Christmas, they've got supreme rim protection. I know Fanta's really happy about this right now because he's got a degree from Seton Hall. So I'll go ahead and throw that in there. And uh, for player, he gets all my presents, all of them. His name's John Fulkerson because that was one of the best interviews I've ever, <laughs> I've ever been a part of. And he did it after having 24 and 10. He was fantastic. And he was able to get loose over uh, Christian Coloco, who has shut down some yes. really big time players. Yes. And he was still able to get those numbers. Tough as nails. He's 35 years old. He eats a lot of hot dogs and hamburgers. And that's my presence. That's where they're going. <laughs> You just like him so much because he doesn't sound as, as southern as you. His accent. That's right. I'm no. I, hey, look. You guys realize where I'm from now. Like I, I you, you, I get picked at with my accent all the time. That's that's a Tennessee boy accent right there. No doubt. Be happy to have him on. No doubt.
We love it. We love it. We love all of you, our listeners, from all of us at the Field of 68. Thanks for listening to Carol's, our analysis, for all your support, your following throughout the year from Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman and our producer, Dagan Hughes, who works tirelessly. God bless Dagan. For R.C. Randolph Childress, Terrence Oglesby, this is John Fanta saying Merry Christmas from the Field of 68. We're taking a couple of days off, but after dark, we'll be full steam ahead later on this month and ringing in 2022. Have a Merry Christmas, stay safe, and college basketball is the best. And download your John Fanta on iTunes Christmas Carol immediately. (laughs) Merry Christmas. John, John, check your DMs, man. (laughs) (laughs) Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.